On a hillside in Bowie, Maryland, lies Sacred Heart Chapel, the birthplace of the Roman Catholic Church in the United States of America. It's where John Carroll was elected the first bishop in the newly formed country. It's a history parishioners and community members hold with pride. But this year, on this same hillside, underneath a century's worth of leaves and dirt, a shameful history was revealed. Hundreds of unmarked graves were found, the likely resting place of the slaves who worked on a plantation run by John Carroll and the Jesuits at the turn of the 17th century. Now, the newfound stones have launched a reckoning in Bowie, Maryland, and an effort to honor those buried. WTOP reporter John Doman grew up here and has been reporting on this story in the past few months. Early one gray morning, we took a walk through the newly discovered graveyard. Geographically, we are right off of Maryland Route 450. You can hear the traffic sort of down at the bottom of the hill here. It's Annapolis Road here in Bowie. And historically, centuries ago, this was the White Marsh Plantation run by the Jesuit order. Uh, John Carroll, who is a, a pretty well-known name in the Catholic Church, helped uh, found Georgetown University. Uh, this was where he lived, and this was where the tobacco plantation that he and other Jesuits uh, oversaw existed. And on this hillside, we have two sections here. We have a graveyard with well-marked graves, but we also have a hillside where we're standing now where there are stones. Tell us about these two differing graveyards. So you have one on the flatter land that's over there right next to the chapel, which was uh, where a lot of people from, from the current iteration of the church are buried and graves that go back even further than that. But here on this hill, which is sloped, it's, it's ground that's not easy to bury somebody in. It's not ground you could really farm either. These stones are what mark the, what are in all likelihood graves of those who were enslaved on this plantation, uh, their descendants who may have stayed here and kept working even though that they were technically free. So some of the people who were buried here lived after the Civil War even. By all accounts, they were free, but you know we know what that got you if you were African-American back then. It didn't necessarily mean that you were equal, especially in, in some parts of Maryland where plantations ruled the day as, as it did here. And, and so that's what these stones are, and that's what those flags signify, is that ground-penetrating radar found evidence of what you can probably assume are graves. And Father Russo is really tied to this location. I mean, he's the Catholic priest here. How does he make sense of all this from a spiritual sense and also from this being his church community? Well, from the spiritual sense, it's trying to atone for sins of the past. We need to know who's here so we can be praying for them and we can be giving their burials the, the proper dignity and respect uh, they're, they're owed. We can't say for sure that like these were always neglected sites, but there was a good probably 60 years or so between when the Jesuits left this land and when the archdiocese built the current church here. And so a lot of this ground for a long time was just overgrown. When you leave something that has woods and, and other vegetation, when you just completely leave it alone and ignore it for 60 years, 55, 60 years, whatever it is, you're going to get overgrowth. And, and that is some of what's going on here. And then just over time, 
for the decades after that, when the church arrived, this land pretty much sat undisturbed. We knew there were burials in the woods. Some were overgrown and could be seen from the edge, and so we wanted to get to those. And what we found were hundreds more burials than we thought would be there. And then they kept going in multiple different directions, and we decided we had to keep looking. And now you have volunteers coming here every month, raking stuff up, getting rid of some of the, the leaves, the tree branches, that sort of thing, to try to figure out exactly what's going on and, and, and again, bring that recognition that has been lacking for a long time. And it's not only volunteers and you know church members, but it's also descendants. You know, these graves have connections to life now. You've talked to a descendant, you know, what was their reaction to coming here and what's its significance? The people I've spoken to, Kevin Porter, who I talked to early on, you know, when they walk through here, it, it brings to mind a, a wide range of emotions. I think in many instances, like African-Americans in general, but African-American contributions to society have been overlooked. Uh, and it's clear, just looking out, that, you know, even that even extends to cemeteries. Like, this, this is upwards of 100 years of disabandonment of, of grave sites. They go back to wondering what it was like back then. My ancestor, Stephen Queen, was actually born, raised, and died on this plantation. So Stephen Queen was buried in this cemetery in 1883. So we have at least five generations born and raised right here on this site. In some respects, they, they can sort of find peace and they, and they find a connection. In some respects, there's sadness and sorrow and even a little bit of anger sometimes too and, and, and frustration with just sort of what was allowed to go on for a long time. For the most part, people are dismayed that it, it took this long to uncover the grave sites. But there is also sort of a, an optimism that they can come and not that you can fix those wrongs and right them, mm. but sort of to make amends with them, to, uh, to do what you can to, to try to make it right now. We are hopeful that this work will continue and um, I'm thankful that we can now identify the grave sites and honor, properly honor our ancestors. And, and so they're working together and by all indications are that this will be a years long process in terms of uncovering as many answers as they can and, and trying to figure out the right way to honor all these grave sites that for a long time were maybe not necessarily dishonored, but, but I think in some cases they were, but more than that neglected too. And this hillside, you know, there's an intersection of Catholic faith, intersection of tarnished and shameful history, and it's all meeting, you know, up on this hill. And also archaeology. I mean, you talked about people who have machines that kind of go underneath the ground and take us down underneath the ground and tell us what's down there. What's the end goal of this project? That's not known yet. That's why you have groups of people sort of breaking off into committees now. There will be the studying of genealogical records and historical records and trying to determine who exactly could be here, is here, that sort of thing. You know, there are some names on some of these gravestones here, but on a lot of them, there is not much of a record. 
you do have, again, engineering and, and landscaping type experts who will sort of look at what you can do on this land without compromising it, without disturbing it in a negative way. It's tough to say that any, anything is going to be exhumed. I won't say that it won't happen, but I don't know that it's likely to happen, and, and it's certainly not likely to happen anytime soon. But I do think going down the line that there will be a stronger memorial here and greater recognition of what has been here for, for many, many decades that many people who grew up going to church here never knew about until recently. And you first reported this back in January at the start of 2023. Even since then, we've had the Archbishop come here. We've had state delegates come here as well. Can you talk about the reaction of not just this church community, but the broader, greater Washington community? We are in the midst of an ongoing racial reckoning in this country. And this seems to be one of the less divisive issues among that greater reckoning, but there is an interest in properly acknowledging what is here. There is a push by some lawmakers to make this a a national historic site, which would lead to it a lot of protections from future development, which is an issue not necessarily on this hill, but on the land that directly surrounds this property. Um, That has been a long uh, fight here in the city, and I think one of the one of the reasons why we've sort of learned about this in recent years. Uh, it would also potentially open up grant money to do more exploration because this will be an expensive, an expensive endeavor uh, to do everything the right way. And, and right now, you're talking about a handful of people who are volunteering their time and and sort of doing what they can with limited time, limited resources, but from the political side, they're trying to open up as much as they can in terms of opportunity to to do more to, to sort of help this effort. And again, though, when you get politicians involved, it can get complicated. There could be some who might have an interest in one direction that isn't always in line with, with what those closest to the situation might be feeling at the moment. But what we are seeing is, is a whole lot more communication as well. And you know, politically, that has the potential to help. We'll be right back. And moving from the political world into the spiritual world, you know, there was a prayer service here that many people gathered at. You uh, attended. I saw videos from that service. There were special prayers for this exact place. Can you bring us back to that moment? Obviously, there's a lot of significance with Cardinal Gregory being the first black archbishop of Washington, D.C., too. He came here. uh, They were in that chapel right over there, meeting with descendants, meeting with political leaders. I think some members of the church were there, uh, maybe not a lot, but there were some. And And they spoke for about an hour. And the sense I get was that there was a lot of emotion and, and there is a sort of a wide range of feelings and sentiments about what's been going on here. Frustration that it's taken this long. These African-Americans built America. And now they're laying in the ruins that they make pretend they don't know about. They've been here. So we need to document this history for all of our generations. Satisfaction that something is finally happening. It's very amazing to find out about 
my descendants. I'm glad that our story is being told and that people are finally finding out what, what happened. It's been a spiritual process in which I believe the ancestors have brought us back. You know, it's, it's been amazing. Um, I, I guess we're, we're very grateful to be able to understand this history of our family. I mean, you can imagine there's just a wide range of emotions. And after all this time, there are some who are hoping that everybody is, is in this for the right reasons. But, but there is also some concern in the back of some people's minds that after the attention dies off here, that there will be less uh, attention paid to this mm. and, and less interest in doing things the right way. And, and the descendant community certainly doesn't want that to happen. This is extremely important to a lot of people now, people who aren't necessarily parishioners here, but nonetheless, they have this connection here now and, and they don't want the church or any other entity to go back on it. And I think those who are closest to this situation feel the same way. The ones that are connected to the church and the archdiocese who are close to all of this, they, they certainly feel the same way and have those intentions. But after that hour long meeting, there was the prayer service it was moving to hear a, a lot of people sort of yelling out the names of, of ancestors who, who are connected to this site. Today we gather as descendants and inheritors. We are the living bridges to the past for the, for the future, paying homage to those who came before us, whose names we know, we lift up our voices to those whose names we do not know, who are always present, we come in peace. We feel you too. The orphan children, those who wander, we lift you up in the far reaches of the ancestral abode. You know, you heard a lot of people yelling the names, and, and, and as the yelling got, as, as more names kept being repeated and kept being said, like, you heard more emotion coming out with it. Say their name. Say their name. Say their name. Anna Mahoney. Say their name. Arnold Jones. Say their name. And then, because, again, a lot of these people who were who are buried here you know, descend from African lineage. They did do a, a special, uh, what was called a libation, where they were pouring water onto the ground, symbolizing cleansing when that broke up, uh, or, or toward the end, I should say, at that ceremony, Cardinal Gregory did come by and uh, splash holy water on some of these graves. And, and then when it was over, a lot of people from the descendant community, and, and there was a few dozen people who were here, just started walking around back here on this hillside looking at grave sites, recognizing some of the names in some cases where there are names to be recognized, and, and otherwise just uh, going up to different grave sites and you know, laying flowers. You see uh, yellow roses still here on the ground that have been here for a week now, but they remain. Well, John, this story will continue on, but thank you for you know, bringing me here to this hill and this whole audience here to this hill. And I'm sure we'll talk again. You got it.